Hey guys, welcome back to Topics with Tim. This is my series called Gym Junkies. This is part one of two of a conversation with Chloe. In this section, we talk about Chloe's desire to be an occupational therapist, as well as her work as a behavioral technician right now. We both talk about social media and our phones and how we think that those two things are a contributing factor to a lot of the mental health issues going on in our society today, especially with young people. We both really emphasize how it's important to find something that's fun when it comes to fitness and exercise so that you can remain consistent. We then go into Chloe's life basically from birth to all the way up through college on the sports and different things that she tried, including swimming, ballet, chess club, volleyball, and her experiences there. We also touch on genetics and how that plays a a role in what genetics you're gifted with and how to overcome if you don't have great genetics. We also touch on the most important, you know, finding the why to exercise and to eating healthy and how the, that powerful why can really take you to places that you never thought you could go. We talk about her family growing up and what kind of food she ate and what kind of family atmosphere she was, she grew up in and how that has influenced her today. We touch on the power of convenience and how foods and, and, and having them in plain sight and fast food and how much we are driven by convenience. And we also end with her talking about how much fun she had playing water polo. And there's plenty more after that, but you'll have to wait for part two. So anyway, I hope you guys enjoy. Hey guys, welcome back to Topics with Tim. I am joined live in studio. I have a special guest, Chloe, today. I'm really excited to have you on board, Chloe. And I I have a confession to make, and I'm a little embarrassed by it. Okay. And that is you're actually the first female I've had on my podcast. I'm a little embarrassed. I just realized it the other day that, gosh, I don't, I've never, I haven't had a girl on yet. And it makes sense because a lot of my podcasts tend to do with sports and tend to do with, you know, weightlifting and things like that tend to be an emphasis. And so it tends to be a little bit more guy focused, but not always, you know? Sure. So anyway, Chloe, I would love for you to, for our listeners, kind of introduce yourself and then just kind of give us a day in the life of Chloe. So we kind of just get to know you and kind of get to know like what it is that's keeping you busy on a day-to-day basis. Sure. Well, hello, everyone. Thanks, Tim, for having me. Of course, of course. I'm really excited to be the first female guest and a day in the life of Chloe. You know, you wake up at a certain time, depending on the day. If it's a weekend, maybe it's a little later, 8, 9 o'clock. If it's a weekday, try to wake up early, 6 or 7, but... You know, Ooh, six or seven. I, I can't do that. I'm such a night owl. Really? Yeah. I feel like the mornings are so special because you see the sunrise and it's just a brand new day. And so I really enjoy the mornings. Um, so I wake up and then I try to have some water. I'm not much of a breakfast eater, which isn't the healthiest. I mean, you, you thing. saw my you saw my recent YouTube video, so of course you're drinking your water in the morning, right? I mean, absolutely. I watched that YouTube video and I know the importance. <laughs> you got to drink some water. So try to drink some water, you know, try to do a devotional, get in the word. Mm. I'm trying to read the Bible this year. So through the Bible in a year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So we'll see how that goes. I think it's going to be really great just to start my mind off. Have you tried to do that before? Um, in the past? I think I may have thought about it, but I never actually did it. And so this time I'm getting into it and I just really want to make sure that it gets done. Is your devotional, is it? sort of just the scripture that's it or do you get like a commentary with it or anything like that or is it just the the straight here's scriptures from different things or how's it broken up so it's uh the bible project edition of it and so it has the cute little videos at the beginning that kind of summarize it and talk about just a little bit about the book so i feel like it'll be fun i'm a very visual learner so i think starting off with an overview of what the book's going to be about will be helpful to get into it so they have a video for every single section of the bible in the entire year yeah, so they have wow. different ones that's like, here's the overall book of Matthew, and then here's Matthew chapter one through whatever, and they kind of break it up. And so it makes it easier to break it down and get all the details. That's pretty cool. I've actually, I might have to check that out because I, I've always, I've tried the Bible in year thing, and it didn't really work for me just because, yeah. I don't know, it was just a bunch of scriptures from a d- bunch of different passages, and I was like, yep. uh, it's just too much. But I like the idea of having the video to kind of, because right. I'm like, yeah, I'm more of a visual learner myself. So that would, I feel like that would be interesting to see the visual of it. And then it might add an extra little juice to, to the scriptures. So 
Very yeah. cool. Okay, so you read your devotional. Read my right? devotional, and then I kind of have to look at my plan for the day right now. I'm in college, and I'm working, um, and so every day is a little bit different, but throughout my day, you know, I try to be active. I try to get some schoolwork done. I see what I have for work. Work can mm -hmm. kind of differ. I'm working part-time as a behavioral technician, which means that I work with autistic kids, so I can go visit a client's house and work with them for part of the day or other days I have off. And so what I enjoy about my schedule is that it is really different, and so I don't get bored. But there's core things that I mm. need in there. Got to take care of myself. Got to try to drink water, exercise, hang out with people because that's going to keep my body and my mind healthy. Mm. Tell us what you're going to school for. I'm going to Cal Poly Pomona right now to, well, as a psychology major. And then starting in June, I'm going to start an occupational therapy program at Loma Linda. Hmm. Okay. Very cool. So you're into psychology. You're into uh, teaching a little bit, right? Helping, you know, working with, you know, describe, you know, you hear there's a lot of different sort of therapies. Yeah. You know, there's this type of therapy. Describe to us what occupational therapy is for those that don't fully understand what that is. So occupational therapy is really similar to physical therapy where someone comes in and they're having a specific issue and you're helping them solve it. And for occupational therapy, you're trying to work with individuals to help them accomplish daily tasks. So a lot of times if a kid comes in and they aren't able to play because they don't have the core strength to be able to sit up and maybe they don't have all the skills they need to pick up blocks, you can work on core strength and fine and gross motor skills to help them be able to go and play with their classmates. And so the cool thing about occupational therapy is it's science-based, which I really enjoy, but it's also really practical because you can help people figure out what their goals are and help them accomplish that for important day-to-day -day tasks. I'm kind of curious, this thought just came to mind, but is there a commonality amongst, because obviously, you know, as a kid, I never had to go to occupational therapy and I don't, I don't remember any, like many of my friends experiencing that. Is there a certain, is it like kids that are more on the spectrum that end up doing occupational therapy? Is it kids who have maybe, you know, parents aren't in the home as much to help, help them have that early kind of understanding, you know, how to do things and those daily tasks that you mentioned? Like what's a commonality you've found amongst some of these kids and what their lives are like? So a lot of the kids that would be in the occupational therapy programs would have some sort of developmental delay or just some kind of challenge in a specific area. And so it really ranges. And also occupational therapy is really growing. So uh, when I was growing up, it even wasn't as big as it's becoming now. And so occupational therapy as a field is growing faster than a lot of other jobs. And so as the years continue to go on, we see more and more occupational therapists and we're finding the the kids and the other people in different populations that are needing these services and we're able to reach them hmm. would you say that there's you're saying that there's obviously more and more occupational therapists does that sort of lend to the fact that more and more kids are experiencing these delays or experiencing these these issues is it on the rise that's a good question i'm not sure if it's on the rise i would that's a good question because I know that things like mental health is on the rise, well, in a negative way, unfortunately, but I haven't looked into developmental delays as much for kids that would need occupational therapy, so that's something I'll look into. Hmm, okay. Yeah, I'm always interested in that kind of stuff, seeing just how you know how the world is trending in different ways. And I think right. you, you touched on that mental health thing. We know that mental health is a big struggle for people nowadays. Definitely. I think social media is a big aspect of that because I Absolutely. think it's... Uh, if you just look at the, the brain chemicals involved with getting likes and getting views and how addicting right. that is. And then, you know, they, they measure people, they do these tests on people where they'll, they'll have them like doing a task and then they'll have their phone off to the side and their phone will getting, be getting notifications. Right. And they'll test and the amount of the, the person's stress level like skyrockets if they can't go right. and check those notifications because there's sort of this fear of missing out what's what's going on and you always have to be connected and know what's Definitely. going on and and like you can't just sit there and just enjoy sitting there doing whatever task you're doing it's i have to go check these notifications now and i even noticed too i've had to delete social medias off my phone and things just so i don't because it's so easy just to you're maybe bored for a moment and you just yeah. hop on it and then an hour goes by and then you're and thinking whoa where did that hour just go you know right. and then you find that you're constantly checking. You're constantly check. Did I get another like today? Did I? And it's like, what is happening? And there's they specifically do it on purpose because it targets dopamine, which is a yes. certain brain chemical that you get just a release of every time you get a like or something that sort of 
keeps you coming back for more. It's a little bit of a, a drug in a way. So Definitely. I'm sure you as a, someone who's studying mental health, who we've talked about it before, you're very passionate about mental health. Definitely. And um, so that's something that you're looking into as well. Yeah, even this past week, I was writing a paper about boundaries that I've set with my phone because it is so easy for me to fall into the temptation of, oh, I'm bored. Let me pick up my phone, scroll on Instagram. And so recently I've been deleting my Instagram, Facebook app when I'm not using. If I spend 10 minutes on it, oh, that was long. Let me just delete it. And so when I'm out and about, I'm not going to use my data to re-download the apps. So I have to be at home to re-download the apps if I want to look at it. And so that's a boundary I've set. Or putting my phone on airplane mode when I go to sleep. Um, If there's an emergency Mm. going on, then of course I'm going to leave it on to make sure I'm available. But emergencies don't happen all that often. And so for me, it's really healthy to put my phone on airplane mode and I don't have to worry about my phone when I'm going to bed. I'm not getting any notifications. And so it's really peaceful. And most of the time, I also have my phone on Do Not Disturb, which is hard sometimes when I miss my friends' Mm. texts or calls, but it just helps me to be in the moment because studies have shown that even if your phone is on in the room you're in, then you are not as focused and in the moment as if your phone was in a different room or off. That's all. I've heard that same study, and I've even heard, uh, to take it a step further, that if... For example, I notice this a lot when, you know, let's say you're eating food at a restaurant or something with somebody and their phone is out on the table in yes. front of them, or even if it's upside down, uh, there is sort of a, a, the person who's watching you kind of can sort of subconsciously notice that your phone is there and notice right. that like your attention could sort of be drawn and there's sort of some negative effects they found of just, just having your phone on the table visible to the person you're with can be slightly distracting for them. They might not even be consciously aware that that's what's happening, but but subconsciously they're like, oh, their phone's right there. They're going to just pick it up and, and go. And obviously then you're more likely to use it as well if you just see it there. If there's a lull in the conversation, you might just pick it up. And right. So I think we're on the uh, same page with a lot of those uh, phone things because yeah. we like to be you know, in the moment with people. And, and, and this is why that's why I love doing this right here, doing podcasting, is because it gives me this opportunity to where the person, we just sit and we have a great conversation. Right. And we're just focused on, on each other and focused on what we're talking about. And there's no phone, nothing like that. Not that I tell people like, hey, you can't get off your phone, you know. <laughs> but it's, it's sort of almost an expectation if you're doing a pod with somebody right. that you're not going to be on your phone. You're going to be focused during that time uh, to deliver great content for people. So Absolutely. that's one of the reasons why I love this. I'm a little jealous of your flip phone. I honestly have been thinking of switching over to a flip phone just because, I mean, there aren't any apps on there. You have the basics. You're able to contact people. And then why would I need to put it on do not disturb because people aren't going to throw me in group messages on my flip phone. <laughs> well, people still will and it'll drive you crazy. They put you in group. <laughs> people will put me on group messages and it's awful. And I kind of feel bad sometimes that I can't really respond to them uh, because yeah, it's just, it's just not even my That's phone. Funny. My phone like overloads. Like you can't even handle it. I have to turn it off and on. Cause it'll oh my just, goodness. it's just like too much, too many messages. Can't, <laughs> can't handle, compute. can't compute. <laughs> so the flip phone is, it's been, I'm, I'm still enjoying it, I think, because anytime I'm out and about, there's really no, there's no, like, I, I can't even use my phone. Because I do, I do have a smartphone that I use at home at Wi-Fi, or you know, if I'm going to a friend's house that has Wi-Fi, I'll bring it. Right. But for the most part, when I'm out and about, I just can't use it. Um, the only downside, I would say, is you are over, you are more reliant on people for directions. That's so fair. I'm someone that's, you know, I'm out and about in a lot, volleyball, you know, you, you know we, we, yes. we do a lot of stuff together too, dancing, Absolutely. whatever. And so you'll you'll make plans to go to some place. So I'll look up directions ahead of time and screenshot them or whatever. Sure. And then I'll go. And then we'll hey we're gonna go to this place afterward. And then I'm like, okay, uh, so can someone pull up some directions for me? Because <laughs> <laughs> at that point I don't have access to it anymore. Right. That's like the one that downside. And the other downside is there are some some group messages where people don't have iPhones. Because if the people I know have iPhones, then we can still have a group message that I can use on my Wi-Fi smartphone. Right. But if they don't. Then I have trouble keeping in touch with those people, if I'm being frank, because I can't just message them conveniently. So it has taken a toll on some relationships if, uh-huh. if you don't have an iPhone. It's just a little bit more difficult. So those are the downsides. But I mean, right. it's only 10 bucks a month. That's great. I mean, and it's a money it. saver. It's a money saver. Yeah. It's probably a mental health saver. That's great. I still like it. I'm not ready to go back yet. 
my dad still has a flip phone also. Let's go. So he had just a flip phone probably until five years ago, and then he decided to get a smartphone that he uses on the side, which he calls his picture phone. So he doesn't have apps on it. <laughs> Honestly, the cameras are so good on those. It's true. And so he uses it. And I don't think he takes all that many pictures on there. He just uses it to get pictures and send them to people because it's a bigger screen. That's hilarious. My dad's great. <laughs> At that point, I guess you could just buy like a DSLR. But but then again, so I've noticed this because I recently bought a DSLR. And the iPhones are so good to where you don't have to do any legwork. Because I think I was, I was talking to Roy about it where they the whatever software in the phone kind of auto processes the whatever you need whatever the exposure iso all these things right. i'm learning with cameras Automatic. it just kind of does it automatically and it does it so good to where sometimes i even question having a dslr because i have to spend five to ten minutes getting all the settings right right and then the <laughs> iphone just does it instantly instantly much. <laughs> and it sometimes looks better than my shot and i'm thinking what the heck am i doing i need to just get like like your dad, just get the latest iPhone, right. but then only Thank use you. it, you know, for <laughs> pictures or, or Wi-Fi usage, that kind of thing. It works for him. <laughs> That's awesome, dude. Your dad, your dad must be a pretty cool guy. My dad's know. awesome. <laughs> He's really cool. I mean, he has a flip phone and a smartphone. I'm sorry, his picture phone. <laughs> <laughs> Man after my own heart right there. Yes. So let's um, let's jump to, and what I've been doing with a lot of that, my guests on Gym Junkies is, is starting with your childhood days and kind of specifically focusing on what you did you know, typically it's it's more of a parent-driven thing when we're younger, right? Right. Which is why I think on a previous pod I was talking about how, you know, the accountability of of working on exercising just gets less and less as we get older because we have so much accountability from, you know, childhood to even in college. But once you're out of college, you're on your own. There's pretty much no one telling you you need to work out anymore. There's no right. PE requirements. There's no – there's nothing. It's pretty much all on you at that point on whether or not you're going to continue to exercise or not. Very true. So that's what's kind of nice about those formative years, though. If you have parents that really ingrain good habits of exercising, too, I think is super important. Right. So tell me about your upbringing. Yes. And what were you involved in sports, track, music? What did your parents kind of force you to do, essentially? So the moment <laughs> I came out of the womb, um, my parents were on me, and I had to do high knees the whole time. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But when I was growing up, I think the earliest memories that I have of doing active things was my dad really wanted me to swim, and so I swam. I was a fish growing up. I mean, I went into the pool, and we had a neighbor who let us use her pool, and during the summer, we were in there almost every day, and I was learning how to swim. My brother was swimming, and so... The big thing then is we were just having fun. And I think that for me, a theme that you're going to see through this story is that the things that I'm doing for fitness to stay active are fun. I'm enjoying them. And mm. as long as I'm having a blast, I'm going to keep doing them. And So I was going to say such a key component, and we'll, I'm sure we'll get into this more as we go on, is you know finding something that you enjoy, right? Yes. I, I, I said this on a pod, I think with Roy, where I said, I think everyone, I really do feel like God has gifted every single person with some sort of intrinsic wiring to where there's something, whether it's, you know, ski ball or I don't even know that's ski ball. It's not really reactive, but you know, whether <laughs> it's, uh, what's, it. <laughs> what's the one where you, with the brooms, you know, uh, broom, uh, like, um, people, oh, not broom hockey, but that's a good one like too. Like the push the big boulder yes, across the ice boulder, and then you gotta like huge. you gotta broom uh, to oh, like get it's gonna it come to us later. <laughs> so oh, God, cure, mm, i don't know what it's called but i guess my point is that there's something in every single person there's something that you right? will enjoy when it comes to exercise and i think you just have to find it right and sometimes yes. it's sometimes for some people it's harder to find some people you know i'm i'm easy right i've always liked weightlifting since i was right. since i was young so it's super easy tons of videos on it whatever everyone's doing that so no big deal there's gyms devoted to that right but if you're someone who likes to do that ice game right that might be a little harder you might have to try to find an ice rink and then called? find a league to do it it's gonna so, bother me this whole time <laughs> that, that gonna bother me too um so you know like you said spend yes. time keep trying thing after thing after thing right. after thing until you find something that you that clicks that you're like i could do this and this is active absolutely so, Continue. So you're a big swimmer, and your family was yes. too. My, I think that swimming must run in my genes because I'm a big swimmer. It's easy for me to go into the pool, um, and I'm just like a fish. I just love being in the water. I mean, anytime I was in the pool, I was seeing how long I could hold my breath, and you know all the fun mm. kid things, handstand competitions, which I was particularly bad at until I got earlier or older. <laughs> um, 
And just all the, the fun things in the pool. I mean, when you're a kid, going to the pool is the best thing ever. Yes, You're yes. just flopping around. There's endless games. Like, you can't just float there like you do when you're an adult. You have to be doing something exciting. Mm, agreed, agreed. I, I find that any pool that lacks a diving board is not a true pool. Oh, it kills me when it's pools just like, have a diving dude, board. Diving board is like, like, we would, as kids, we would we'd line up. You know, 10, 15 yes, kids long because I have a bunch of cousins. And we would all just take turns jumping off the diving board. Just right. <laughs> Jump in, get out, do it again. Jump in, get out, do it again. It's great. Yeah. I love diving boards, especially the ones that are really bouncy where you can get some air. Oh, my gosh. So good. It's the best. Ours right now is about to snap. Oh. If you, you, I wouldn't jump off that one. I mean, you can. I, I still it. do. I still do. I would definitely try it. One day, though, it's going to snap on somebody. And I don't know what that's going to – exactly what's going to happen with that, but I guess – it's always a risk to jump off our diving board now. Maybe you should plan it, and the person who breaks it should get some sort of prize. <laughs> <sighs> like maybe uh, their medical bills paid for? Ooh, I mean, <laughs> that's like kind of fun, but I think something more exciting. <laughs> that's awesome. So, now, did you, I'm assuming you were put in swimming lessons from a very young age, or did your parents just teach you to swim? I or did you just jump in the water and automatically know what to do? <laughs> Well, I'm pretty sure I went in head first the first time that I went into the pool and my family couldn't stop me. But I vaguely remember going to random people's houses and they would have swim lessons there. Someone would be giving them hmm. and I was in it. But when I got a little bit older, I was part of the swim team. <laughs> Let's go. How, when did you, how early did you start swim team? Oh, I think I was probably six or seven. I was, hmm. you know, a good little where I could swim and not drown. But, you know. That's important. That's important. So before going to the swim team, you didn't know, you know, the proper did you know the proper strokes for things did you kind of learn that or were you more just oh. you'd hop in and dog paddle around and that was there was no was... dog paddling in my family <laughs> oh okay so they were like on it like you had to know the strokes right away kind of thing i wouldn't say, they were never mean about it my family is never like you have to do it this way but they're like come on show me those big arms like you know how to do it like show me those kicks i was never dog paddling around just because we we're in the pool so much it was Dog paddling just wasn't the most efficient way to get around. And I had to beat my brother in the races. So I had to use my big arms or else, you know, I was going to be really slow. And there are so many games. Can't lose the games. What are you, what's your favorite pool game? When you dump a bunch of pennies at the bottom and whoever gets the most pennies at the bottom wins. You really did that? Yes. <laughs> oh, that's hysterical. It was great. Whose idea was that? fourth of july game that we played at a community pool and it was always fun and i remember that would be it. actually pretty fun it was gr- i mean did you like you know dive because i feel like a bunch of kids are diving in all at the same time you're like you, heads bonk around okay, I was gonna say, yeah. <laughs> another fun one i mean you gotta love colors colors yep cool. gotta yep, love standard. the watermelon with the butter on it that you're supposed to get to a certain uh, okay end. i did do that one time That's i remember really doing fun. that one time but i love being in the pool what have you ever played wiki before no, I don't even know what that is. My favorite pool game is Wiki. What is it? So what you do is you take a toothpick. Okay. And someone dives to the very bottom of the pool and sets it at the bottom no. and then comes back up. <laughs> and everyone gets out. So you're all huddled kind of around the sides of the That's pool funny. waiting for the toothpick to come up. And you can't really, sometimes you can see it, sometimes you can't. And so as soon as someone thinks, is brave enough to think they can get it on the jump, they have to yell Wiki, jump in. But they have to, they have to grab it as soon as they hit the water. You can't like jump in and then like swim around and then grab it while you're in the way it has to be like kind of at the same time floating kind of yeah like it'll sort of float to the top so you sort of jump in and kind of aim for it okay and then if you felt it hit your hand you try to grab it oh Um, but if you missed it in that instance then it's over you have to get back out splash around so that way you know it messes up where the wiki is for everyone else and then get out real quick and then get ready to get back in again yeah once you once you see it again this sounds like a fun game. I'm only slightly worried about the amount of eyes that were poked. You know, actually, we've never had that happen. Really? Yeah. Because you can, because most of the time you can see it. Like, most of the time, if someone's okay. going for it, they can, see, they can it. see it. And so you kind of, you know, put your arm out and use your depth right. perception to try to... You don't try to get it with your face. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So I've never had that. Just We have more issues with people jumping in at the same time, okay. going for it at the same time, Yeah. and then, like... You know, colliding a little bit. Uh, which, that doesn't happen that often either, surprisingly, but it happens occasionally. We should try that sometime. It's honestly, it's a really fun game. I'll definitely play it. once. Well, it's getting summer now, so I'm sure we'll have yes. some pool parties going on. I like that it's like the, so. the second day of spring or something. Oh, yeah, it's summertime now. <laughs> it already feels like it's already getting sunny out. It's it like, does yeah, feel so great. Nice. But I'll try to throw a pool party over here and we'll, I'll, I'll teach everyone great. to play. It'd be Maybe fun. Maybe some BBQ. 
The other good game is, have you ever played Penguin? Maybe. Penguin's fun. Familiar. It's where you have to pick a spot in the pool that you can only leave if you go underwater. So if you come back, you always have to come back to that spot. And it's like Marco Polo where someone's searching around. Oh. And so as, as they come to you, you would have to dive under and then swim around and then wait for them to leave your, your spot area. to then come back up. You have to hold your breath for a long time. You do. You do. That's a good one. So that's a fun one. Yep. Colors, like though. It. Colors is a good game, too. I, I just like play co- with my It's simple. A lot of people know how to play it. You can play it with children, adults. So I think it's a good one. Okay, so you're an early swimmer. Early swimmer. You join the swim team. Yes. Now, are you are you a prodigy? Are you just like everyone's like, whoa, who's this like? We got a child prodigy in the works kind of thing. I, or were you were you pretty good? Where would you rank yourself? I would say that I was a little bit of a klutz. <laughs> I mean, more out of the pool than in the pool. I could hold my own on the swim team. I kept up with my peers. And so I wasn't, I was not a prodigy. I just kept up with the masses. If I uh, was able to make it through the day, then it was a good day. <laughs> and you, you, or were you, or do you consider yourself a pretty competitive person or were you kind of just more like, hey, this is fun and I just like swimming and I don't really care if I'm winning or losing races. Or I don't know if they really had you race very much at that age or if it was I more. did races when I was little, but I never was very competitive about swim. My family, they aren't very competitive about sports, and so they just wanted me to go in and have fun. And so I always did just go in and have fun. And I had a great time diving off the diving board and hanging out with my friends. And so it was really refreshing because I think that more and more as time goes on, a lot of times there's parents who really want their kids to win or have that competitive spirit. Mm. And I didn't know that that was a thing when I was little. I thought that everyone was just there to have fun and enjoy themselves. And so that's what I did. But by the end of my first swim season, maybe my second, one of those two, I got kind of bored with looking at the line on the bottom of the pool, and so I had mm. to leave swimming. <laughs> whoa, wait, wait, wait. So you, when did you leave swimming? It was probably a summer or two after I started. Because... So you're what, nine at this point? Yeah, I was still little. Okay, so you I... swam for two years. Yep. You were like, okay, I'm kind of bored of this now. Right. Well, before we go into that, what was your favorite stroke? Ooh. It's hard because I went back to swimming later on, so I have a favorite stroke um, from then. Okay. But Give I, us your, your original favorite stroke. I think it... Mm, I'm not sure if it was backstroke. I feel like I had a lot of fun with backstroke, I but I sure... I hit the lane lines a lot. Oh, yeah, with the backstroke. So I think I got a little frustrated, but I think that it was so fun I didn't even mind. Like, I just enjoyed backstroke. <laughs> You're just, like, <laughs> running into people in other lands, like, oh, sorry. Go back the other way, run into another person. Oh, sorry, huh? Yeah. I think it must have been backstroke. I mean, freestyle is always a good one. I never liked butterfly. So backstroke. We'll Butterfly's go that. tough. I feel like you really mess your shoulders up doing butterfly, too. You definitely you can. And for some reason, to this day... I still cannot do butterfly. Just the rhythm of it, my body can't do it. So later on, I was on varsity swim, and I was, you know, I did these different strokes, not butterfly, but my coach spent so much time trying to help me to be able to do butterfly functionally where it didn't look like I was a drowning dolphin, and it did not happen. Hmm. I, I was still not very good at butterfly. Just weren't you weren't maybe weren't built quite for that. Yeah, I don't think I was, which I was never upset about because it meant that I never had to do butterfly in any of our swim sets. <laughs> <laughs> Question is it so my thought is that the butterfly requires a probably more upper body strength Definitely. because it's it's just you're driving it all from your chest and right. shoulders. Back muscles are huge because you have to bring your arms back and up and over. Is it was it did a lot of girls struggle with the butterfly in general? Nope. Or, no. Okay, so it was just... It you. was... <laughs> just some part of me wasn't able to do it. And so I don't think it was the strength because, I mean, even back in high school when I was doing swim, I could do probably seven to ten pull-ups or chin-ups on my own. Oh, dang. That okay. can help. And so I was strong. I just couldn't get the mechanics down. Hmm. <laughs> well, now you know, right? That's not quite your thing. Right. Which you I never know. Do. You still could learn it. Maybe there's still a chance. I could. I have no desire to, though. Mm, there it is. Because you always feel like you're <laughs> drowning when you're doing butterfly. Because you have to really like get up to be able to take the breath. I don't know. I just don't think it's my shtick. I like the... Uh, what's the one where you... I'm going to do the motion here so I don't remember the name here, but you go breast out. Breaststroke? Yeah, the breaststroke. That's my favorite. Because <laughs> you, you have this like, fun little... like. <laughs> I like that you kind of like have to tuck your arms in. It's great. You know, and then it kind of... It's like a cool little... 
motion. That's actually my favorite stroke now. Uh, I love breaststroke. It's great. Yeah, Mm. I don't know what it is about it. It's just cool. It's a fun one. I feel like it feels very graceful. It's a great leg workout. Some people are like, oh, breaststroke, so relaxing. Well, yeah, it can be a relaxing stroke, but it sure does work out your legs. And so I just feel like it's very graceful, and so I enjoy it. Mm, Okay, okay. So you got bored of swimming. Bored of swimming. You're nine years old. What did you go to? Did your parents put you in something different? Did you choose something different? What happened then? There are many activities that I did as a child. Um, So many activities. Lots of activities. I never really stayed in one thing for a long period of time. Because just like swimming, I would get bored when they would ask me to do something that I didn't want to do. The next thing that... I'm sure I took ballet lessons for a little bit. Actually, I took ballet lessons when I was, like, super little. And by ballet, we did, like, some tumbles, and I, you know, wore a tutu and a leotard, and it was fun. Um, my teacher was really nice. I don't think Can you I still do any ballet. ballet today? I don't think I can. I mean, I can do the somersaults that I learned in there. I remember that our teacher would always put, like, a blue mat on the ground at the end of class, and she would say, okay, we're going to do some somersaults. So that was fun. That was before swimming. Okay, ballet as well. Okay. So I think after swim, I didn't do any sports for a good chunk of time. I would do different after-school activities. There was a period of time I was in chess club. Really? Yeah. You're a chess player. I was, and I got the best sportsmanship award, which my family could not understand (laughs) because any time that I lost Monopoly or Candyland, I would throw fit because I was so upset. But I came home and I was like, oh, look, I got the best sportsmanship award. And they looked at me like they gave the award to the wrong person. (laughs) But I knew when I'm at chess club, I have to be nice to the person who wins. Because it's not acceptable to, you know, throw a tantrum there. So I got this Best Sportsmanship Award. I must have been really friendly to people if they won. <laughs> like, hey, great job beating me. Like, thank you so much for, you know, the experience. And they're yep. like, what? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, I'm someone, if I lose to you, you you got to give me some time. Like, I, I'll, oh, really? I, I need a few minutes. Like, don't don't come at me and be like, hey, great game, man. You did so good. Be like, I don't like. I don't want any patronizing. Give me two minutes to just be mad really? and kind of get over the fact that you beat me, and then I'll come to you and be like, "Hey, great game, man." And then you can say whatever you want at that point. But I, I hate people that are like. I shouldn't hate. That's a strong word. But <laughs> I get irritated with people who are beat me and then are really eager to be like, "Hey, man, great job!" And I'm like, "Don't, don't be so mm, eager. You just beat me. Like, give me some. Give me a minute here. Yeah. You know? like, of course you're gonna sure. be happy. You know, that you beat me." But I need a couple minutes. In my family growing up, <laughs> I think I may have made this rule, which could be why I like it so much. But the winner always cleaned up the game. <laughs> oh, I like that just so you get a little, like, kind of humbling. You, like, you won, but you're humble at the same time because you got to clean up. Maybe. I think it was more of they're already having a good day, so they don't mind cleaning up the game. And then everyone else can go do, you know, their own thing. But the winner cleaned up the game. It makes sense. They have enough emotional capital right. from that win that they can but take a like, little yeah, bit of, yeah, you know. Yeah, Monopoly, no big deal. So it was I'm great. The winner. What's up? Mm-hmm. And then maybe, maybe, hey, maybe that's like conditioning to where you look at cleanup as like a positive right. affirmation. And then it you start be. to look at it as like, oh, I get to clean because mm-hmm. I did well, you know. I don't yeah. Know. Who knows? <laughs> I don't know if I feel that now, but. Yeah, no, yeah. I don't feel that either. Although I did just clean up my room here for you because it was, it was pretty bad before. And I was like, oh, Oh, crap. really? Yeah, like, <laughs> well, it looks great. In your little studio here. Thank you, thank you. So, chess mat. We'll have to play some chess one of these days then to see if you still retain the skills. I don't think I do. I haven't played in years. We'll try. We'll try one of these days. We'll see where you're at. I may have to look up online how to play as we're playing. (laughs) I got best sportsmanship. (laughs) I did not get best player. (laughs) Right on, right on. All right. So, let's give me what are some couple other things that you did during these, your sort of. Your teenage years, your middle school years? Middle school, I was in ice skating. Yo, that's cool. Early middle school. So I was doing ice skate, and it was all about fun. My mom's like, what do you want to do? And I apparently chose ice skating, and it was great. I met some fun people. I had a great teacher, and I just really enjoyed it. But then ice skating got competitive, and I was supposed to get serious about it. So they told me that I was going to have to do the splits. And I'm not a very flexible flexible person and told you you were gonna have to do it i would have to do the splits because they have all of those different like long legs kinds of things and different turns and when they told me that i think i took about a week to think about it my mom was like you're gonna have to learn how to do the splits 
and you're going to have to wake up for practice at like 4.30 a.m. And I said, do you know what? I think I'm good. I think it's I'm good to pass on ice skating, and yeah. I'm so there was no way to still kind of do it in a more fun form? Like you were forced into this sort of competitive... Yes. They That's lame. The coaches there, um, I don't think they meant poorly, but I had gotten to a certain level where it was start taking it seriously, or I think I could have stayed in that same class and just done the things, but... I think it want, they wanted me to be more competitive. Hmm. And, and you like, were like I said, my, eh. family, my family wasn't super competitive. We were having fun. Mm. I was out to go and enjoy myself. And so it wasn't the right thing for me. Well, yeah. I mean, if, if anyone told me I had to wake up at 4.30 for any sport, I would have said no. <laughs> that, that's very <laughs> I said, oh, I will pass. Right. Give me an afternoon sport or an evening sport, <laughs> and I will do that instead. Okay, so we did ice skating. By the way, I just ice skated. We, uh, I don't know if you... Uh, Next time, if I, I don't know if it, it might be closed now, but I know in Folsom really? they have an ice skating rink that I went really? with some friends recently, oh. and it was actually a blast. Man, I want to go ice skating. And second best is probably roller skating. Roller skating is fun too. Definitely. I got inspired to buy roller skates after watching Mighty Ducks again. That's one of my really? favorite movies. And because they're always like skating through the mall and skating around, well, I got to get myself a pair of awesome. rollers. So I did because I actually never knew how to skate until about a few years ago. Interesting. Just, I was never good at it, and then I taught myself. With that's the roller really blades. Cool. And so I still go out from time to time and, and, and I have fun. And that's why I was able to do ice skating because obviously they're like right. almost the same, same thing. Motion. So when I did ice skating recently, I was like, oh, dude, I was like flying around. That's really cool. Because I was like, I could train myself from roller skating. Okay, we definitely have to go ice skating together because a lot mm. of times I'll go with people and I don't mind when they go slow, but it's fun going with people who kind of know how to skate because then you can brace and do different mm. things that are pretty fun. I like when you are kind of going around a circle and you kind of have to put one foot in front of the other, kind of like a line. Yeah, that's like super fun because you're just, it's like very, you're picking up speed because you're just kind of on one little lane and then uh, it feels good. But then if you don't get it right, then obviously you can fall pretty easily doing that. So I guess you could fall pretty easily doing that. Hmm, That's fair. Uh, Yeah. So ice skating. Ice skating. Ice skating. So it's, you've yeah. you've tried you've had a lot of experiences. Then I can I can tell a lot of tried a lot of different things. Absolutely. I mean, why stick with one thing? <laughs> That's no fun. And so I feel like like I was saying, it was all about having fun. I was enjoying ice skating when I wasn't ice skating when I was growing up. I was always you know on my bicycle or trying to figure out a scooter, which I also was not very good at mm. for a long. Scooters time. were in. Yeah. Oh Scooters yeah. Were in. Getting the razor. My parents never. Got, bought me the razor. They always bought us the knockoffs. Ah. So, you know, some kids in our neighborhood, they had the cool razors, and we were always jealous, but That's fair. I guess the knockoffs were all right. I mean, they probably worked, but they weren't as cool. They probably didn't have the light-up wheels. No, they didn't. Yeah. No. Something about the razor brand, too. You just, you wanted the razor. I don't know. Yeah, that's fair. But you're a biker as well. Or I mean, we're into it for a little bit. I mean, I wouldn't say I was into it, but you know, when you're a kid, you're out having fun. We were always playing as kids. My parents always wanted us to go out. We lived on a cul-de-sac, so it was easy for my parents to say, go out and play in the cul-de-sac. So, you know, we had our bicycles or our scooters or for, um, I don't know, we got roller skates at one point and that was great. Or we went to the park down the street. We were always just out and about. My parents definitely tried to make sure that we were out having fun, running around, getting our energy out, which was also probably better for them because we were more tired at night. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I had a question I was going to ask when I forgot it. Hold on, let me think about it for a second. Okay. I was going to ask you about... Curling! Ask you about. Oh, you thought of it. Curling! That's what it's called! <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. All right, so you are... What age are you now? And what's, like, the next biggest active venture that you, you did? So right now, I... Well, not, I'm sorry. Oh, not an age where you know. Oh. In our, chron- in in our chronological, chronological story order. here, so, what's, like, the next major active was, life part of, you know, that you did? I was probably in middle school, maybe sixth grade at that point. And after that, my be- next big adventure was joining volleyball. And I okay, okay. love volleyball to this day. It's mm. one of my favorite sports to play. And that was my first team sport. First team sport? First team sport. Never did basketball, hmm. no soccer, no football. I mean, unfortunately, that sounds so fun, but never played football. <laughs> And don't don't you don't strike me as the football playing type, you know. Well, I think it'd be fun. <laughs> I think it'd be great. I think I would be bad at it. I don't think I was built for football. 
You have to be very angry and aggressive with football. You have yeah, to like true. to hit people and like to be very competitive, I would say. Yeah. If you want to be that's good. Fair. That's very fair. And I feel like you have to be a little bit bulky, like muscle-wise. Mm, true. And, you know, middle school Chloe was very stick-like. Like, basically a twig. Think like little twig. That was what it was like. So, football may not have been the best option for me, but volleyball, it's not contact mm. sport. So, when you're a stick, you can do volleyball. <laughs> <laughs> you're a stick. Were you? Do you just have a really fast metabolism, or would yes. you would just? Yeah. Okay. I'm very that's... thankful for my very fast metabolism because all growing up it didn't matter what I ate. I we ate bad, but it didn't matter what I ate. It just whoosh ran right through me. Well, you are a very lucky. Uh, many people wish to be very like that. Thankful. So, <laughs> do you find it trouble if you want if you were looking to put on like more weight? Not that girls typically are, but you know, some girls are maybe interested in. Um, Gaining more muscle or different things would that would it be like hard for you? Have you ever tried, or would it be like nope, that's just too hard? I've My never, body will just. I've never tried to gain weight, but I think it would be hard for me because it just whoosh, falls right off. Anything that I eat, it's like oh, that's gone. I guess you won. You won the genetic lottery, Miss Chloe. That's work. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> well, it also seems like you take care of yourself pretty well too, right? I do my best. Yeah, yeah I don't want to just sit on my laurels, and so I definitely try to eat well. And exercise and have fun with it. I would say, too, you know, for those listeners, because it, it is easy to kind of fall into the trap of, oh, well, that person just has good genetics. Right. Because I know some people that are, you know, maybe more on the overweight side. And they, and, and I, I don't want to name anyone, like, specifically, but I, I notice that there's a lot when I talk to them or when, you know, I'm, you know, and I don't like to give advice just willy-nilly or if someone doesn't want advice, I don't like to give it. You know, if, if you ask right. for it, I would, you know, because as you know, I'm a pretty knowledgeable person when it comes to health and nutrition and those things. As I found and out so... during your gym workouts. <laughs> That's true. Tim, do I have to use weight? Got well, it. you don't have to, Chloe, but okay, fine, I'll use weights. <laughs> yes. Yes. Girls are too afraid of weights, like I was telling you. That's a, another discussion. But a lot of people will kind of fall back on the genetics. Oh, I'm just I'm just I'm just genetically gonna, you know, have weight on me or blah blah blah. And like there's an extent to where that may be true. Like you may have a genetic variation to where it is harder, but there is still like tried and true methods of weight loss that you just have to work a little bit harder at than someone right. else does. And that that sucks, you know, and that we all we all deal with those realities where we have certain genetic right. things that we're gifted with and certain not and you just have to work a little harder at the ones that you're not. But you can't just make excuses and say, like, oh, I'm just going to be fat forever or I just, oh, this is just genetically or, oh, my parents were fat, so I'm going to be fat or blah, blah, blah. Like, you, there's still something you can do about Definitely. it. Definitely. Like, you can take whatever cards you were played and still play a pretty dang good hand. Right. You just have to kind of get rid of the excuses and get rid of that mindset of that it can't happen for you. And here's the thing is that if you're focusing solely on looks and someone has genetics where their metabolism runs faster. Like, yeah, that's going to be a huge benefit. But if the goal is every other benefit of exercise to have the endorphins, or as I call them, endolphins, because they're so much fun, and dolphins just seem fun. So you have endolphins released. I mean, you are going to be healthier, better mental. There's all of these yeah. other things yeah, true. that are way more important than, you know, looking a certain way. And mm. those are going to be the benefits that you have by exercising. And eating well, there are so many benefits. Like, regardless of what you look like, and regardless of how easy it is or hard it is to lose or gain weight, exercise and eating well is still important. Hmm. Yeah, I think uh, one of the things that really helped me to be consistent was, because I, I ran into the issue of, you know, if, if I, you know, was thinking, oh, you know, I didn't care about looks anymore, what other motivation do I have to go to the gym, right? right. Like, a lot of people, that's like 80% of their motivation for getting in the gym is I want to look good, right? right? And then what happens? They get a girlfriend or get married or something, and then they fall apart, right? Because right. that 80% of what they were going for, oh, they already got married, so they're good. They can just chill. They don't have to go to the gym anymore. There's no motivation. And I always try to figure out, well, how do I circumvent that? Like, how do I, you know, and, and like you, I do a lot of research. And so what I started doing is I started writing down. Anytime I came across any sort of research paper or anything that would say like, hey, you know, did you know that working out, you know, increases your endorphins, which are essentially pain relievers throughout your body? Or, hey, did you know that you'll increase your bone density to where you won't, you know, just break your hip That's at so 60? Good. Or, hey, you know, like this will increase your like blood oxygenation to where you're, you'll grow more veins throughout your body, you actually do more. And like you just That's thing really after good. thing after thing, mental health, you know, hey, anxiety right? and depression. Wow. There's so, so many studies on how it reduces it and blah, blah, blah. So I made a list of all these things on a piece of paper. So anytime I was feeling unmotivated, to go to the gym, I would just read through this list and it was almost like, 
I mean, after I was done reading it, I just feel like I'm, I'm an, I'd be an idiot not to go to the right. gym today. Like there's just, there's it's too so many true. things beyond looks like looks was on there, but it was way down. And all the other things were like, man, I don't want to be 60 and break my hip. I don't want to be 60 right. and not be able to function and do anything. I don't want to, you know, have dementia at 50, you know, right. there's so many things I was like, shoot, I, I would be stupid not to go to the gym consistently. It just doesn't even make sense to me now. Like there's no logic in it anymore because when you see the truth and the reality of all the benefits, like you said, it becomes impossible to think otherwise. Like it's just, you have to do it. Yeah. That's so good. I would love to see if you did an Instagram thread of, you know, here's why we exercise and another one, here's why we exercise. And just seeing that scrolling through people's feeds could be really good for mm. someone who wakes up at however early they have to wake up for their workout. Oh gosh, yeah. So I, so I don't do that. doing this? <laughs> oh. And I think it's so easy for our minds to sort of forget. And I think Definitely. even so, it's so easy for your mind to sort of, because working out is hard, you know, it's, it's and so your mind's going to kind of right. try to justify, oh, you don't got to do it today, or why do you got to spend, Just do you tomorrow. Know, yeah. You don't need to. It's not going to be bad in the lot, but no, it is. Every day yeah. is important. And you sort of, you forget, right? Your mind, your mind can't keep like 20 different things right. of all the benefits. You kind of forget over time. That's why it was important for me to read it every day. Because yes. over time I would kind of forget and forget. And then I'd come to a point where I'd be like, why am I even doing this? There's no, there's no reason I'm even doing this for. Because I had forgotten all the things of what I'm getting from it. Right. And if I'm not reminded of that consistently, then it just like, it becomes like, oh, I'm just here for the looks. And, and then that, that only lasts so long before yeah. you, you find always... a way to not do it. Definitely. I feel like the why is the heart of anything. So mm. if you are getting bored at your job, well, why am I doing this? Well, if you're getting bored in your workout, don't want to do it, well, why am I doing it? And when you find out that why, you're so much more motivated. Um, mm. And I remember learning that in a previous job where they said when you get tired, when you get drained, because it will happen, where's your why? Why are you here? Why are you doing this? And if it's surface level, if at a job you say, well, it's because I want to make money, that why is not going to keep you going for very long. But if it's deep, mm. um, well, I want to help see these students thrive in this way or that way. Well, then that's going to be way more important. And that's the same in working out. If it's something that feels surface level to you, it's not going to be that impactful. But if it's because, well, dementia runs in my family and I want to stay healthy throughout my life because I know that that's an important factor for reducing the chances of getting dementia or early onset dementia, then that's a really mm, good it's why. It's a powerful why. Very powerful. Right. So when you find that mm. powerful why, and you can go back to that, why am I doing this? Oh, it's my my heart why. Then that's mm. going to be when you get up and do the thing that you really don't want to do that day. It's <laughs> playing the long game. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, it's, it's so powerful to have. There's... A, I always say one of my favorite quotes, I think I kind of came with it myself, but like there's no greater... <laughs> whoa, whoa. Oh. <laughs> one of my favorite quotes that I created. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure someone else has said this, but this is something that runs through my mind a lot is like there's no greater motivator than necessity, right? Right. If you, if you suddenly lost all your money, you would be very, mo very highly motivated to go get a job. Right. Absolutely. Because like it's, it's necessity. You need food on the table to eat tomorrow you got to go to work, right? Definitely. And maybe you wouldn't, maybe if you had a bunch of money, you wouldn't, you wouldn't go to work, you know, because there wouldn't be the, the necessity, the motivate, the motivation by necessity wouldn't be there. And so for me, one of the things that kind of got me into more of my, you know, because I feel like I have a lot of whys now, which is important, I think, when, like my shoulders got really, really bad when I was working at that kickboxing gym, like really bad, like <sighs> just painful all the time. And I started to have to, I was motivated by necessity out of pain to start to research exercise videos and and you know how do sure. I build up my shoulders or my back or how do it and so that and that that's what like sort of triggered my line of okay now I found this workout program now I'm on this workout program okay now that spurs me on to greater lengths nutritionally and now I'm in this place that I've like never been at you know all because I was sort of spurred on by the necessity of how do I get rid of the shoulder pain that I'm experiencing and so I've seen like a huge reduction in my shoulder pain you know, since that time. And so that's like something always, another why that pops in my head, you know, I'm at, cause I'm at the gym, I'm doing a weight and it's really hard. My mind's like, dude, what the heck are you doing here? Like, <laughs> like, why are you even here? And then I'm like, dude, I don't want, I don't want to go back to just being in constant pain in my shoulders. Definitely. And I'm like, okay, yeah. Okay. We'll keep going. You know, when it's you like powerful that now. When you point of failure, <laughs> you're like, oh yeah, that necessity. Mm. So, so I, that's my that's quote, cool. you know, you can, you I can, like you that. can say, tell other people that like, Hey, you hear that quote by Tim Gerson? You know? <laughs> You're going to be on an Instagram post someday, like five years in the future with that quote on it. And you're like, whoa, I made it. <laughs> I like it. All right, let's get back to you. Let's get back yes. to your the good old days. 
the good old days of Our your your Chloe. middle school and high school <laughs> years. So, and actually, oh, I have a question that kind of came to my mind was, was your family pretty health conscious growing up as far as the food? Because again, another thing, you know, your parents are kind of in control of your nutrition right? from most of your, your life until you're on your own. So, you know, if your parents aren't very knowledgeable nutritionally and they're feeding you, you know, Fruit Loops every morning or right. different things, like, you know, obviously that's, you can't really control that. You're just a kid. You don't know any better. What was your kind of nutritional upbringing like? I'm always curious to see what, because I feel like our other generation, maybe your parents, your parents are probably a little younger than mine, but I feel like my parents' generation, like, didn't have access to the amount of nutritional information we have now. So I kind of feel bad for them. They, they weren't, like, given that information. Yeah. My parents are older for how old I am, so I'm not mm. sure if they had access to that nutritional information, but I think that they did a really good job of trying to do anything they could to get healthy foods in my body. And so I'm really thankful for that because when I was growing up, we didn't have chips and cookies lying around the house. It was always a special treat to have something sweet or something crunchy like potato chips. And so even when I was in middle school and high school, my friends would come over to my house and we'd be like, oh, let's have a snack. And I would go to my favorite snacks and they would be like, oh, like, are there any chips or anything? And I'd be like, well, no, not really here. <laughs> and so I think that that has translated mm. into today where if I can keep unhealthy foods further away from me, then out of sight, out of mind, and I don't eat them. Mm. And so it was nice. So like my dad retired when I was, I don't know, probably maybe middle school or something like that. He retired when I was younger. And before that, our dinners would kind of be whatever my mom could throw together and get us to eat. When my dad retired, dinners changed. Because my dad was always gone for dinner. He worked the swing shift. Hmm. And so he came home, and our dinners had to have three things in them. Had to have a meat, a veggie, and some kind of side dish. And so every night, I got used to having vegetables at dinner and some kind of meat and some kind of side dish. And we would always have to have a glass of milk growing up. It was my least favorite thing. The milk was your least favorite? The milk was my oh, least milk favorite. Oh, so good. I now <clears throat> enjoy milk, but growing up, I, I hated drinking milk. But it was great. My parents would always say, it's going to make your bones healthy and this and that. They're not going to break. And that didn't <laughs> matter you, to me sitting at the table with uh, my glass of milk. <laughs> have you seen that commercial? The Got Milk commercial? Which one? It's my favorite one that they've ever did where... Uh, the parents are trying to get their kids to drink milk. Okay. And they're, oh, we don't want to drink milk, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and then one of the kids is like, well, our neighbor, Mr. Haney, he doesn't drink milk. And so they all, like, turn and look <laughs> to Mr. Haney, who's out doing some yard work. And he's got one of those uh, one of those things that you put, like, wood and stuff in. It's got the one wheel. A wheelbarrow? A wheelbarrow. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so he's, he's going to lift up the wheelbarrow, and both his arms rip off. Oh. <laughs> and he's like, oh, oh, oh. And so the That's kids, funny. the kids like look at each other with these massive wide eyes and just start like chugging their milk. That's hilarious. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I was like, that's such good marketing right there. That's awesome. <laughs> the kids are like, uh, mom, they're like, more milk, more milk. Yeah. Um, but that's really cool. That's honestly really cool. Like how, that's really cool. Because I, I think we're of the same mindset when it comes to food. Like I, I really like having a lot of control over my food environment. To where, you know, I'm not opposed, you know, when I go out to eat, of course I'm going to eat the dessert or I'm going to eat whatever, you know, but I like for, you know, in my home, like my home right. is like my safe space. And so I want that home to be filled with, you know, healthy treats and, and, and things that are tasty, but healthy. And I think you can find that. Absolutely. Um, and I don't like having like too many temptations around. Yeah. And it's something I struggle with, you know, currently living with, with my parents is like they, you know, they have a lot of sweets around. Right. And there are those times where maybe I'm having a down day or maybe you know, whatever's going on. And it's like, you know, and they'll leave out a bunch of cookies on the counter, which I'm going to do a YouTube video on the importance of like keeping your sweets hidden. Cause there's That's so many great. studies done on people who like just, just having your sweets hidden, not saying like you're never going to eat them, but just having them out of sight is like a huge decrease in consumption. Just wow. and not, not even, not even a decrease where you're like, Oh man, like I'm just so wanting cookies. and I just can't have them. No, just like a natural decrease because it's not on your mind frequently. Cause if it's just out and about, it's just, your mind is going to be seeing that every time you pass by Definitely. it and then you're going to have a battle internally of like, do I eat the cookie? Do I not? Do I eat it? Do I not? And then maybe you don't that time, but then you come back again later and the cookies are still there and, and then you're like, there. wait, should I eat that cookie? Where's not. You down? And then, yeah, yeah. Like, you have like a willpower meter that like slowly dwindles right. and then by the end of the night, you're just you're smashing, like, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. 10 cookies or whatever. So, 
it's really funny. Not that this is exactly the same, but last night me and my roommates were playing board games, and one of my roommates had a thing of M&Ms out, and they were sitting right next to me on the table, and I ate a couple, and then I literally took the M&Ms, and she knows me, so she thought this is normal, but I took the M&Ms, and I put them on the other side of the table, (laughs) (laughs) so they weren't too close to me, and I tell people, oh yeah, that's my healthy eating plan. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> just move foods make them so inconvenient to where you're like exactly ah, ah just too far if too i'm far at away. a party and there's like really good chips and dip and i'm eating way too many of them i'll be like oh don't mind me and i'll re- i'll move them across the table and it works great for me because if i'm talking to a person mm. i'm not gonna be like just a second reach all the way across the table <laughs> And eat more chips i'll just be like ah darn it like i don't want those chips but they're so far mm-hmm. That's really cool. That's all awesome. you because you know the psychology. You know, you know, as someone who studies psychology, you know the impact that convenience has. I think they did a study that was pretty eye-opening where they took these nurses and they would put a Jolly Rancher. They put some. They put a Jolly Rancher on their actual desk, okay. and then some they put a Jolly Rancher across in the corner of the room somewhere. Okay. And we're talking a massive increase wow. in how many Jolly Ranchers were eaten just by the placement of on their actual desk versus across the room, Convenient. exactly like you were doing. And so convenience is such a major, major driver of what we do. Definitely. So I think that's why fast food is probably so prevalent and so popular is because it's the convenience, right? You don't have to cook. You don't have to spend time cooking a meat or cooking vegetables or, you know, trying to figure out how to season something to make it taste good. I can just drive to McDonald's, go through the drive-thru, order my McDouble, get my stuff, go home, eat it, maybe even eat it in the car, right? It's so convenient. And so me and you are kind of on the same page in terms of just no, we're not going to eat bad foods. We're just going to make them a little more inconvenient because yeah. we know over time we'll probably just eat less of them and it won't be something so like, oh, man, I'm just like sitting with this cookies in my hand. I just can't eat the cookie, but I'm right. still holding on to <laughs> it and like, oh, I just can't eat it, you know. Definitely. So, out of sight, totally out of mind. on the same page with you there. And that's really cool. That your parents were, were very much into that. I think that's awesome. That's yeah. very much like my diet is like a meat, a vegetable, and then some sort of like rice or quinoa or, yeah. or some sort of carb That's and then I'll throw it. in a little oil or a little bit of fat too as Definitely. well. But. If I'm trying to be extra healthy, I'll try throwing in more vegetables. <laughs> I'll be like, oh, there's more green things on there. It's better now. You know, with the meat and the, the rice or whatever. <laughs> That's awesome. All right. So back to you and okay. your high, what did you do? What did you do in high school? Like what high was your. School. Okay. Well, high school, I, the summer before high school, I started training with the water polo team. And what Yo, I was going to do, awesome. water polo is great. I love it. Mm. I was how did you, to, like, get introduced to water polo? Or had it been something to, you played before? It was, wasn't was something I played before, but I said, I want to get back in the pool. I missed it. I came back to swimming, you know, because I was a little fish and I wanted to be back in the water. And I said, hmm, maybe water polo could be fun because if I was going to be in the pool, they don't do swimming until spring. So I had to do water polo because it was mm. supposed to condition me. So I was great at swimming. That is that purpose. common of a lot of people who do swim team? Do they do water polo as like an extra way to... On my swim team, it was pretty common. I would say probably about half of our swim team was the water polo team. Interesting. I never had made that connection before. It was cool. And so what I was going to do is I would train with water polo over the summer. I was going to be in volleyball for whatever, the fall semester. And then I would go back, play water polo, do swim, condition with volleyball and water polo over the summer. So that was going to be the whole, you know, rhythm Hmm. of my high school career. But we did volleyball tryouts, and my coach pulled me over in the last couple days of the volleyball tryouts, and she said, I'm deciding between you and this other girl. What do you think? Whoa, 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 whoa. whoa. Hold on a second. So she she asked you. (laughs) You were trying out, and it was between you and another girl, (laughs) and she asked you what your opinion was on who should make the team. Yes. Would you like to know what I said? (laughs) You did not say the other girl, did you? <laughs> oh, you're like the sweetest person ever, man. I if you said, didn't know, what did you say? I said, well, if I don't make the team, I have water to pull it to go to. But this other girl, she doesn't have another sport that she can go to, so you should choose her. <laughs> so I didn't make the volleyball no team. No way. That's what I said, and I didn't make the volleyball team. And I mean, props to you for... Putting someone else ahead of yourself there. That's pretty... I don't know I, what I, I don't think I would have done that, man. That's... I was really thinking about it. Props to you. That's awesome. So I didn't do volleyball because I didn't make the team. I think it's because I told her not to choose me. That's what. That's what's in my brain. I mean, I was pretty great and everything. Not really, but I held my own. I was a setter, and I liked doing my job. I hmm. wasn't bad at it. So I did water polo, 
and water polo was so fun. I mean, I'm normally a happy-go-lucky person, but when I got in that water polo pool, if there was something from the week, something that my teacher gave me extra homework for this or that, then I was going hard in the pool, in water polo. And water polo is a contact game, like full-on yeah. contact. You know, like maybe maybe you would have been good at football then. Maybe. I feel like it's a combination between <laughs> football and soccer and swimming. Like that's It's just a great combination of sports. And it takes a lot of strength to do it. And so mm. we trained hard. We would swim. We would tread water. At that point, when I was doing water polo, I could tread water for hours. Like throw me in the pool and I'll just be there treading water, doing my thing. And it was great. I was the sprinter on our team. Um, it was really fun to play with the team. I just really enjoyed myself. And I loved playing water polo. So I feel like maybe you do have a little bit of a competitive streak thing. Because I feel like you have to pl- be pretty competitive to play water polo. you got to be... It's an aggressive sport. When I got into team sports is when my competitiveness just took off. So now oh. I'm a pretty competitive person. I love to win. I've had to calm myself down because recently I've either won by a lot or lost completely. So I've had to be like, oh, it's okay if I win or lose. I've had to kind of tone myself down. But when mm-hmm. I'm on a team sport, you better believe I'm rooting for my team. My team is going to win, and I'm all in. Like, we are going for it. Until we get to be like, one point and the other team is ten. Then we're just in it for fun. But if it's like four to five, then mm-hmm. we are in it, and we are playing, and we are competitive. Those are always the best games when it's close. Thanks for listening to part one of my conversation with Chloe. Part two will be coming out Friday morning at 7 a.m., so stay tuned for that. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you on the next pod.